weeks ago now, uh, Denny, Cheryl, and I had the blessing of interviewing the president of our group of the Evangelical Free Church of America. And one of the focuses that Kevin Compline gave in that interview is that we as Christians and we as churches need to zero in on the the why, by which we mean why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we running um, this program or, or that one? Why are we spending our money in these ways and, and not those ones? Why are we volunteering our time, our talents, our treasures? What are the priorities that we do with it? Asking why helps then drive the, the how. How are we going to do this and what's it going to look like? If we don't ask why, we tend to turn on autopilot and think, this is just easy, or this is what churches do, or this is what's popular. But if we ask why, why are we doing it? What is God's plan and method? He has specifically birthed you to complete then you start doing ministry from that place. That is our purpose. So how do we answer those questions? I know we could certainly give a number of answers, but what I want us to see this morning is that the first letter to the Thessalonians up to this point has largely been answering been seeing why Christ's people are to believe and to act in certain ways as they await the Christ's return. We've been casting the the vision of of loving others as Christ has first loved us. We've seen how Paul has called them to trust God's plan even in uncertain times, even in hardship, even in persecution. Now, this morning, we're going to conclude this letter by moving from the from the why, from the reasons to the how. How do we do these things? What does it look like to be the faithful people of God? That's what Paul is writing to the Thessalonians here. And as well, from here, as is common in closing messages, to see how God graces to us and lives in us certain aspects of it. First letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5. First Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 12. I want you to join me there. The things that I am for each one of you is to not just come and, and hear a sermon, whether it's, a, whether it's a, however you judge this, this coming up is a, a good sermon day or kind of a meh day. What I want you to come away from each Sunday with is a hope and trust to see that the God we do not yet see Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 12. 
ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and are among you, and to esteem them very highly in love before the whole world. I appeal to you. Ultimately, this book is going to end with a number of applications. The application today is kind of built in. It's going to be exactly what Paul says. And this first one, I'm going to simply summarize as be at peace with one another. So given that everything Paul has taught about being faith-filled examples to others, about receiving God's word, about preparing to suffer the cost of following Jesus, given all that Paul has, has written and taught about embracing Christ's priorities for peacemaking, relationships, and for learning how to trustingly and patiently await Christ's return, which the prophet could relay, given all of those things that Paul has written, how do we now live? The answer is found in this series of applications. Each one is First reality relates to our respect and our patience. Those qualities often in short supply in the world around us, and yet we Christians are called to be patient with others. Paul urges the Thessalonians to be respecters of those in spiritual authority over them. Well, as I studied, as I wrote, as I tried to figure out how to communicate this, it was a little awkward for me. Right? It, it almost sounds self-serving, doesn't it? For Paul to write this, for me to say that. But the biblical picture is actually the opposite. It's not self-serving. Instead, the Bible's teaching is that authority is God's blessing for his people. Let me say that again, because that's probably as, as radical of a message. I know it doesn't seem that way, but if we really think about this in our independence, I do what I want, you do you, uh, authority is bad, scandal or expose every night on the news, in that sort of world, what God is saying is that God-honoring, Christ-exalting authority is God's blessing for you, and you're blessed in all things for that. Does that sound self-serving? Heaven is not going to be a bunch of independent people doing whatever they want forever. Heaven is the place where Christ as king rules forever. As we embrace his authority, we are being prepared and we're helping others to be prepared to enjoy kingdom dominion. As Paul writes elsewhere to the Ephesians in the example that I pull out here, leadership then is a gift that God gives to his church in order to build up his So as part of learning how to love Christ's own authority, we've been given a training ground. Might not be the one you want, but it's called the church. We are to have an attitude of respect and of esteem for those who lead us in worship. Not just me, that's our elders, that's our church leadership. Those uh, Sunday school teachers. How do we do that? What's some practical ways? Well, Paul gives the answer in verse 13. How do we do it? 
next is perhaps the part of this passage that I just, I don't know, I, I read this and, and I love it because I'm going to summarize it to answer the question that, that seemingly everyone has at some point or another. What's God's will for my life? God's will for your life is that you would be in God's will. That is God's will. Look at verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, I know it's not quite, well, actually, it kind of is graduation season. I was not a graduation speaker, so I guess for some of you, this is, this is not really that new. But what is God's will for you? seems to be the topic. Usually graduation speeches have something about, like, what, what are you going to go and be and do, and how do you figure that out, right? Not this passage. It's given in the form here of three commands. We are to be known for our joyous life. Not just when life is easy, by the way, but every bit as much when life is not going well, when we're wrong, when we're persecuted. Can you imagine how impactful that truth would be to the Thessalonians as they have already endured much for following Jesus and no doubt they still have a long road to go. And what ultimately does Paul say to them? Friends, if your view of being able to rejoice, of having joy, means the American dream, then you're in real trouble. Whether it's economic downturn, war, job loss, health, Something will change that. The American dream is, is ultimately not God's dream. Don't me wrong. I, I can brook living in a country with huge instability and, and economic problems. But ultimately, if, if that dream, that ideal joy is rooted out of experience, Ed, how can you rejoice always when it's not going that way? to pray continually. That is to say, to submit everything to the Lord in prayer. Your finances, that uh, dispute with your neighbor, that big test coming up, uh, the date that you have later this week. And much more, bring the big topics to Him as well. Pray for our church's uh, witness to our society, our, our, our goal, our mission of making disciples. Pray for our about, what we're boycotting, what our political hopes are, 
but more so in the ministries and means that we have to help them. Part of why I reworked our prayer cards a few months ago is we got a sense from praising God section and trying to be very intentional about that myself. I think that's a blessing for us as a congregation to do as much as any other time for any congregation. Part of why I highlight it and every time that it keeps coming up, someone probably thinks, wow, he's just, he's out of things to say. <laughs> you know, it's like the old record that's stuck in the groove of history. It's because I think we just read over that as if it's something minor. It's not. Paul doesn't keep bringing up thankfulness in bold because he's trying to show out to us that he's bringing it up because he thinks it's such a vital part of what he is demanding. Taken together, then, these three traits, other than the marching orders, for every Christian. Every single one. I realize that probably seems, on the one hand, maybe a little bit disappointing. Let me feel like I set you up a little. Pastor, but I'm in God's will in, in this specific But as you bring that to him in prayer, as you joyfully follow after Christ in these ways, as you show thankfulness while you're waiting to figure it out, that pleases exactly what Paul is I approve is what I believe. These are the barometers of your faithfulness and maturity. Christians not practicing what these verses teach. We must always ask, here's a history lesson for today, as the, the forerunners and the founders of our denomination, the ESCA, asked us, where stands it written? Well, what does the Bible say about it? Oh, someone thinks you must do this, you must do that. Okay, show me in the Word that this is where the Word of God and God's truth, it is where authority is to be idea, this concept, this truth, where is that taught in the scriptures? What do we do with the answers to those questions? Well, if it's found in the scriptures, if it's clearly there, if it's faithful, then yeah, hold on to it. Even if it's not your question. If it's not faithful, go to Jesus, not found in the word, then discard it. Even if everyone around you thinks it's a very one brief example. Do you realize that prophecy is actually something that Paul speaks a whole lot about in the Bible? Not just here in verse 20, but this comes up again and again and again. Now, we can disagree over what that's going to look like. Uh, Oh, I 
what we're going to fit into or not fit into our church, our ministry, that sort of thing. But ultimately, even for those who might see a role for us in the church here, is there any teaching in the Bible of this role? What does that look like to do? Not just the priesthood. Remember, we are taught to test prophecy in places like 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. It's going to come up again, by the way, in 2 Thessalonians. Save some more discussion for that in next month. But my point is simply this. What does the church look like? Are we willing to look to that role? Or do we kind of just go, okay, this feels right. You know, this seems like these people I'm Discerning how, reading the Bible, Bible is one of the distinctives of who we are as a church. Final two points. First one's found in verses 23 and 24. And may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless. Identity. It's been a lot of do these things, told to do these things. Now, what do I actually want to receive? Our goal is not to walk away today with a, a longer list of do's and don'ts. That would be no better than what the church is about. Instead, we see in these verses we are to walk out of here with a deeper trust in our Lord, a, a true and robust belief in what Christ has done on the cross and because of that and responding to that then we want to live in a way that is pleasing. Really quick thought. If all we come away with is a list of do these things and legally we become very outwardly moral people probably seems really good to the world around us, but at the core, there's, there's nothing to drive that with. It's, it's, it's rule following. Sooner or later, that rule following skews and turns into not a blessing for yourself or others, but ultimately do this every single day. You just maybe don't realize it. Right? Uh, you, you get in your car and you drive down the road and you see another car coming towards you in the opposite direction. It is because you believe that that person knows how to drive, that you don't veer off onto the shoulder thinking that he knows what will happen. Right? You have a certain amount of faith that you're going to stay in your lane. This is true every time you fly. You're getting onto a plane where 
with rare exceptions, which is uh, Bruce might be the exception, where, where you probably don't know the pilot. You have faith that this person has, has not only passed flight school and has experience, but you know, that they are, in essence, kind of vetted by whatever airline has considered charging an airplane ticket. You are trusting that they know what they're doing. And how do you show that trust? You get on the plane. You don't get on the plane and not have faith. Faith is an activity. We are called to believe in faith as well. And because we believe in faith, we act upon faith. That's ultimately what Paul gets into here. So let's look at the next one. What then does it look like to live in a way that reflects like seeking the Lord Jesus. The goal is to know and cling to the Lord. It's to, to desperately ask Him to make us holy so desperately because when you're desperate, you are, you're outside of your own strength. You can't do it. The Lord can. That's what He's offered us in Christ for every faithful soul. We are to call upon the Lord to seek the face of His glory with Christ and at Him Anything less, and you might indeed become a good person outwardly, but you'll never be holy. Indeed, in the Sermon on the Mount, that's what we're told of Jesus. And fourth, the goal is not simply knowledge, but instead it's to pursue truth. Whatever morality then flows from knowledge of Christ, that's an invitation that he embraces this call. Put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. We close then with Paul's benediction, his own desire for these dear Thessalonians that he loves so much. He speaks of prayer and of heartfelt greetings. He writes that indeed the hearers are pleased by the words of this very letter. He closes with this.
group of Christians, the other side of the world, in millennia ahead, without any kind of reference to those who died for them. Their questions, their passions, they're also, their struggles, their insecurities, their misunderstandings, they're often what they are The antidote to answer the question, and they hear it in